Welcome to another episode of Junior Achievement of South Florida's Recipe for Success. Just as there are no two recipes that contain the exact same ingredients or measurements, there are no two success stories exactly the same. Recipe for Success features entrepreneurs, visionary leaders, and innovators of all ages who will share the ingredients that make them successful. Here's your host, Lori Salarulo, President and CEO of Junior Achievement of South Florida. Hey everyone, welcome uh, to Recipe for Success. We are here today in the Heisinga Culinary Kitchen at JA World Heisinga Center at the Lillian S. Wells Pavilion. And so as you know, Recipe for Success is a show that we feature entrepreneurs and C-level executives who talk about the ingredients to their success. And today's guest is no stranger to success. Uh, he is the president of GA Telesis, a global leader in commercial aerospace, governor appointed chair of FAU's board of directors, a veteran who served in the US Navy, uh, family, father, husband, avid golfer, surfer, loves music, travel, and the martial arts. And so please help me welcome Abdul Mulberry. Thank you for having Thank me. Thank you so much for being it's here. It's my pleasure. Uh, it's great to see you again. The Thank first you. time we met, it was actually a similar situation. It was. I was at Leadership Broward and invited you to come as our speaker yes. to Thank our you. luncheon. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, and it was just, it was fascinating for me then to get to know you a little bit. And I feel like I, I felt so special then because nobody really knew who you were, right? And so it was great because we were like, who is this guy? Um, and you have an amazing story, uh, which I, I definitely, you know, we're gonna try to touch on as much as we can today. Um, but I think one of the things I wanna start with is, um, so you have a long career in, in aviation and aerospace, um, and maybe tell us a little bit about, just maybe a couple of highlights along the way and how you ended up at GA Telesis. Sure, sure. Well, I'd be remiss if I didn't say, I did the math, 37 years ago, I was in JA in Los Angeles. You're an alumni. Um, I am, I am. We, we made a clock and, and had to sell it <laughs> for a profit, which was a challenge, but I think all of our it's parents- It's still a challenge, our, right? our parents stepped up and made sure we made a little bit of money. Right. Uh, but it, it, all, it really, it, it started there, my, my interest in entrepreneurship. I, I really thought, wow, this is, this is pretty cool. You, you, you make something, you sell it, you make a couple bucks and do it again. Yep. So um, really my, my idea for, for GA Telesis started, um, I, I was working in New York and uh, the firm I was working for was looking for new business ideas and ventures to, to invest in and the market was kind of tight. So. I wrote a business plan. Uh, they didn't think that it was gonna make it, so they said thanks, but no thanks. And uh, I soon left and started it on my own. Wow. Uh, it turned out pretty good. Pretty good. So uh, today uh, we have roughly 600 employees. Uh, we're in 34 locations in 21 countries. Wow. Uh, uh, I, I, I pride myself by by giving credit to, to the men and women that do what they do. They they have made our company what it is and, and the success it is. I couldn't do it with without the people and, and you know my number one uh, lesson that I learned, the thing that really uh, took my company from, from where it was to where it is today is understanding that my product is my people. My product isn't anything that I could ever sell. Love and that. if I if I take care of my people, 
my people will take care of the customers and my customers will then in turn take care of me. So it's sort of turning it around where the customer is taking care of me, not my employees. Right. Yeah, I love that. You know, I was uh, I did a little research and read some articles and did a little, you know, looked at GHL, so it's could have been a while since we had talked. And one of the things that I loved is the mission of the company is customer success, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Um, and I thought, wow, so talk about being servant leaders, right, or a servant company. Your focus is on the customer, and I, I think it that's is. so and, critical. And, and, and ultimately, if my customer is not successful, they won't be my customer. Mm -hmm. Either they'll go out of business or they won't do business with me. So I have to make sure that they're, they're successful. And I remember a few, probably about five years ago, I, I was uh, in a room with a, with a bunch of folks looking at our mission statement and our vision statement. And it was this long five, six lines of just a whole bunch of words that all said everything. But none of us could remember what it was. None of us could recite it. And you know, we, we really looked at it and said, what do we do here? We, we really have to know what we do. And what is our goal? So our goal was easy, customer success. If our, if, if our customer isn't going to do well, we aren't either. Uh, but what are we providing them? And we're providing them solutions. There's nothing you can buy off the shelf from me that you can't buy from someone else. So if I don't provide it to them in the form of a solution, then I'm just like everybody else. Then it's about price. And if it becomes about price, then it's whoever has the lowest price right. wins the deal. So, so for me, it, it's really a, a focus on how to make them successful. And ultimately, we, we take it one step further and we look at our customer's customer, you, the passenger. If you're late, why are you late? You're late because someone like me might not have done their job. I can't take credit for weather. I, I, I don't do anything with the weather. But, you know, it, you know, I always tell people, they say, you know, what, what does your company do? I said, well, if your airplane's on time, it's because my that's my customer. If they're late, it's my competitor's customer. But, but, but the other guy. you know, uh, I, I've got a great story. So I was uh, in Hong Kong flying back to New York. And I was, I was sitting in my seat, and the... Uh, pilot came on and said, we have a slight technical issue. We're going to call over to home base, let them know what it is. They'll send a mechanic over. Shouldn't be a major issue. So I didn't care. I was sitting there. I was probably looking at my iPad or my phone. And uh, a mechanic walked in, and he went right, right by me into the cockpit. And, and I just sort of looked in to see if I could see what he was doing, but I couldn't. And he walked out with his radio, and he was telling the uh, dispatch what the problem was. And I could understand what, what it was. It was just going to be an indicator that they were going to have to replace. And the captain came back on and said, we're just waiting on a part. The part's going to come in. We can op-check it on the ground. We'll install it, op-check it. We'll be out of here. We'll make up the time in the air, no problem. So I was uh, sitting uh, in my seat, and the mechanic walked in. And under his arm, he had a box. And that box had our tape the tape that we put on the outside of the box on it. And I, and I thought to myself, oh my gosh, <laughs> I've never been in this That's situation. Awesome. I'm excited. You know, they're, they're going to they're gonna put my part, and my part is going to go in there, and, and it's going to make the airplane work. 
this is this is incredible. And, and I'm looking around like, you know, I want someone to pat me on the back and, and, and congratulate me because I'm doing everything. I'm going to make this airplane. And it's because of you yeah, that this exactly. airplane's going to take off. And then it hit me. What if it doesn't work? What if they install the part and the part doesn't fix the airplane? And I actually started to sweat a little bit and, and I was a little worried and I was thinking to myself, oh my goodness. If this part, if the pilot says, hey, ladies and gentlemen, I'm sorry, they put the part in, the part didn't fix the problem, then I don't want anyone to know right. <laughs> that it was me, right? So, so I was a little scared, and you know, the pilot, you know, 10, 15 minutes went by, the pilot said, we're, we're gonna up-check the part right now, if, you know, um, we're gonna see some people coming in and out of the airplane, don't worry about it, everything's okay. Um, they're gonna have to look through the window to see if something's working, Got another guy on the ground, you know, just, just be aware, we're just checking the part, everything's okay. So. 15 minutes goes by, he comes back on. I says, ladies and gentlemen, everything was great. Uh, part worked, we're, we're gonna um, just do some paperwork and we're gonna shove off. I wanna celebrate, <laughs> I wanna jump up and tell everybody, oh my, it was me, it was me. I, I did this, I did this, but you know, I just, I kept to myself and- And, and took the credit took quietly. The credit <laughs> internally. I told my team when I got back, you know, so. I'm glad you shared it with yeah. <laughs> But yeah, but it's so, so that, you know, it's so interesting here at JA, you know, everybody talks about, I, I always talk about how much I love my job because we get to impact, you know, over 50,000 students a year and preparing them for life. And as a mom, as a parent, I know how important that is. So when you know that you are making a difference, not only in that individual child's life or in that individual company, right, who bought the part from you, but then that the ripple effect of that, right? Sure. For you, it's, it's ultimately the customer who sits in that seat. For us, it's ultimately the company who hires that kid exactly or their family, right? right? Exactly because right. now they can earn a living and have a home and have food on the table, and maybe we can eliminate all those other issues, right? So exactly. knowing that there is a, an end goal, right, that benefits so many more people um, and yours could go on and on, right? It could be that person who's trying to get to a family or to a business or to a job or so. So it just continues well, to I ripple. Well, you know, I can put it in this perspective. It's my job to make sure that my customer gets from point A to point B on time and safely. Simple. Now, if they don't, this is what happens. There's, let's say, roughly 100 people on the airplane. Hotel rooms won't be full. Rental car companies won't rent cars. Restaurants won't feed people. So the impact of me not doing my job correctly impacts my customer and my customer's customer, but then the customer they are to wherever they're going. Right. So, so the impact is huge. Right. So you know, everybody gets upset when an airline is late or has to cancel a flight. That's the last thing they want to do. They want to get you there. They're, they're, they're not in the business of canceling flights or delaying flights. And if they don't, the impact is huge on whatever community they're flying into. So, so for us, our calling is uh, to make sure that, that our machine is working, so that our customer's machine is working, so that everyone else's machine can work. And, and air travel does that. Yeah. How many employees do you have now at GA Telesis? So we have uh, about 600 worldwide. I would say about 375 in Florida. The rest so how are. do you make sure? So I think you know one of the things as a leader that I think we all um, sometimes are challenged with with building is not so much the company but the culture, right? And so 600 people, especially when they're spread out, 
um, it's probably even harder to build that culture when you've got people in different places. So you know how important it is, and so somehow you're communicating to those 600 employees that why, why it's so important that those parts get done right, get done on time, and all of those things, and work sure. properly. How do you do that uh, in your company? How do you create that culture? How do you maintain it across the globe? Well, the, the challenge is even greater than, than you can imagine, because not only do I have to, to build one culture, one, one mindset, but I have to do it with cultures that are different. Mm -hmm. I, have, I have over 125 people in Helsinki, Finland. I have 25 people in Istanbul, Turkey. I've got people in New Zealand. I've got people in Taiwan. I've got people in mainland China. I have people all over the world. And they all think differently, and they've all been brought up differently. So to connect everybody, the, the first thing that we did when we looked at, okay, we're, we're, we're getting big here and we have to figure out how to connect each other's, is to figure out what is our mechanism to show everybody that we are one company worldwide. So we actually have something called One Company Worldwide. And uh, every Wednesday, uh, every Wednesday of the week, 52 weeks a year, we all wear the same shirt worldwide. And a new color, new design every year. And everybody around the world will take pictures of their groups and, and tweet them or, or put them on LinkedIn or Instagram doing funny things or, or you know, depending if they're celebrating a holiday in their own country or something. Um, and we'll post those. And we really focus on, on how, do we, how do we really take that and, and make sure that it's meaningful, that everyone understands that there's a reason we're doing this. We're doing this because on this one day, we're celebrating the fact that we are one company and we are worldwide. The right. fact that we are worldwide, that we're in all these different countries, is just an incredible testament to, to our success. But at the same time, it's those people. And it's, it's, it's definitely different, a different conversation if I'm talking to the head of my office in Istanbul than if I'm talking to my head of my office in Finland. Right. Two different cultures, two different mindsets, two different ways of doing things. But in the end, they realize our ultimate mission is one thing, our customer success. And if they're all working at, in their own way, in their own culture, in their, their own sort of methods and practices, then we're gonna be successful. And that one company worldwide initiative, I can't tell you how many companies I see have, have copied it in our industry. And they're doing different things to show the world that they are a global company, yet they are one culture. Right, yeah, so interesting, I love it. You know, and I think, you know, it's communication is, is key, right? So sure. if, like you said, you, you're talking to all those people or you're doing it through pictures and through media and through technology, um, but that, that connection, that communication is so important, that ongoing it is. communication is so important. And, and there's no reason in, in, with technology today, there's no reason not to communicate. Not to. So, so we over-communicate not only to our, uh, to our employees, but to our customers and to our competition. You know what? Our people get frustrated a lot because we'll do something and then one of our competitors will, will replicate it. That just shows we're doing it right. You know what they say, right? I do. I do. I do. It's the biggest compliment. Plagiarism is the biggest compliment. That's right. Flattery. And, and, Absolutely. And, you know, and our, our, one of our, our mantras is uh, intelligently defining aviation. Mm. And if we're going to define it, we have to be ready for our competition and the market to copy it. Right. Um, and we're okay with that. 
So it's interesting, competition obviously is another thing that we all face, right, and we have to be prepared. How important, so, so communication is important, creating that one company. Uh, I have to assume that there's a lot of strategic planning and goal setting um, that's, that, that people are involved in across the globe, adding to that direction of what are our competitors doing in Finland or in Istanbul, what are they doing here, so that you're bringing all that information to the to one place do you do some sort of a strategic planning with your leaders all, in different places all, all the time but we once a year in uh, December we all the leaders come in we have well over a hundred uh, folks that come in from around the world and we set this the strategic direction for the year mm -hmm. uh, that may change and we, we are constantly together I, I told you I, I travel quite a lot um, in, a, in a busy year, over 200 days, and as I mentioned to you before the interview, <laughs> I, I'm trying to cut that back because of my university duties, but uh, you know, the, the ultimate goal is you, you can't communicate on email where you can communicate face-to-face. -face. They can't see your face when you say something on email. Right. And in video services like you know, Skype or Zoom, or and, Zoom all and all those, they're great. But, sitting down with somebody and, and hearing what the challenges are in their business face-to-face -face are much different than, yeah. than communicating it in a memo. So I do my best to, to travel around and see my team and, and spend time with uh, my leaders so I understand what their challenges are, uh, what the nuances are in their culture, their customer base, and their region. All those things matter, and, and we address them. And, and we constantly adjust. You, you really, you, you can't set a roadmap without being ready to, to take a detour if things aren't going in the, in the right direction. And, and that, that is, is key. If, if it's set in stone, then right. you have to be ready for the consequences if things don't work out. Yeah, so true. Absolutely. So that, that flexibility, right, and that, that adaptability is something that is so important in leaders and in companies today because the world is changing so quickly. You know, I, 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 I get challenged by my leaders because I'll, I'll go sit with a customer and a customer will say, well, I saw your proposal and you, you're, you're telling us this, but this is what we need. And I said, look, if it's possible, I'll do it the way you want it. And I'll go back and I'll tell my team and they'll look at me like, what did you commit us to? You know, <laughs> we can't do that. But they I've always, heard that too. <laughs> but, they, but they always do. Right. They always right. figure it out. Yep. You know, so we, we don't take the easy street. We, we really, really focus on what differentiates us. If, if we want to do it the easy way, then we have to be ready for our competition to come in and just match what we're doing. Right. But if we're capable of creating something that's unique, that's adaptive to, to what our customer needs, that right. makes all the difference in the world. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, you know, innovative companies will survive ever-changing world if you stay stagnant and you don't rise to those challenges and meet the needs you'll you'll go away at absolutely some point, right you'll Abs become obsolete at some absolutely point. and if you look at some of the greatest companies um, in the history of this country or the world uh, a lot of it a lot of those companies do something completely different than what they did when they started out they adapted to the market and and they changed right Yep, we have to be flexible. So over the years of being at DA Telesis, I am sure that there have been extremely successful times, right? Um, but I'm sure that there have also been times when it was 
there were obstacles or there were challenges that your team and your company and you personally had to overcome. And I think that's one of the things that we talk so much with our high school students, especially about, is never giving up, right? Absolutely. Um, and so talk a little bit about that and how you got through some of those difficult times, which sure. I, I'm, I bet there was at least one. Oh, there's, there, there, there's been many. You know, we've, uh, you know, we started right after the, uh, 9, the crisis uh, caused by 9-11. Um, but in the years, the ensuing years, where oil prices went up to $140 a barrel, our airlines were, our, who are our customers, were filing bankruptcy. And in a lot of cases, they owed us a lot of money, and, you know, we lost it. You know, giving up was never an option. So, so from my perspective, you know, my perspective is different than the perspective of my team. My perspective has to be one that we're not giving up, and they have to believe that, that I believe that. And, and the reason they have to believe it is they're all counting on me to lead them through the crisis. So if I'm not there to lead them through it, then they're going to think that we're going to die on the vine. Right. So, so for me, not getting through it is just not an option. We have to figure out how to, to get through whatever crisis it is we're, we're, we're going through. And, and, and they come up. At, you know, in, you fast forward to 2009-10 when, again, the world was melting down. This was a little different because in this particular crisis, the whole world was in trouble. Every country that I was in was having a big problem. Every country I was in was having airlines file bankruptcy. This wasn't a U.S. problem. This was a global right. problem. And it was the same thing. Let's just keep focusing on what we're doing. We're going to be okay. And in fact, during the financial downturn, we made a profit every single year. Wow. Not a big one, but we- You were sustainable. We were, exactly. You at least were able and, to- and, and, that's, and that's what we really focus on, is build a business that's sustainable so that these things don't impact you. You know, we never bet the ranch on, on any one thing. We really focus on diversification of our businesses and our cash flows to allow us to, to be successful no matter what happens in the marketplace. And I'll call this our, we, we went through three major crises uh, in the history of the company. And by major, I mean very difficult times. And we came out a better company in every case. Yeah. And, and, and in the, out of the last one, we became the strongest company we've ever been. Yeah, they do say that through challenges, right, creates opportunities and opportunities to become stronger. Um, and it's it's interesting because it's something that I always stress as, as a mom to my daughter, especially my oldest, you know, and say to her, okay, this is a bump in the road, but first of all, what have you learned from it, right? How can we better prepare if something like this happens again? And secondly is, let's look at the opportunities that might open up because of this, right? Absolutely right. And so when you focus on those things, I think, yeah, like you said, there's no, there's not, it's not even an option to give up. You're gonna find those opportunities and you're gonna forge ahead. Absolutely right, yeah. that, that's, that's, that's our mantra. And we, we really, the team that I've assembled believes that. And uh, within their respective businesses, that's how they, they drive their, their businesses yeah. as well. So you, I mentioned in the introduction that you're a veteran of the US Navy. Um, how, how did that prepare you for the business world, for the real world, right? Uh, for one, it taught me never to be late. Uh, <laughs> if I 
30 minutes early is, is uh, on time in, in the military, and uh, as your team here can attest to, I was, you were here, I was early. here early. I know you were. Uh, I don't like to be late. Uh, I, like, I like to feel that I arrived with time to think about whatever it is I'm, I'm going to, to be right. doing. Uh, but the, I think the, the other thing is the military allows you to shine as a leader or fail as a leader. We've seen it both ways with, with the military. They give you every opportunity to lead that you will take. So it's up to you. It's, it's a completely merit-based system. Time, you could be in the military forever and hardly go up in rank. It's all about your successes and how hard you work and how much you want to achieve. So, so for me, it taught me about leadership. Full, you know, if I say one thing, leadership, leadership, leadership. I'll say it three times because that's what it's about. And that, to a new level, is leadership without thinking about yourself. Because you can't. You have a unit. Right. You have people that are counting on you. And what the military teaches you is you being a leader means it has nothing to do with you. And in the role as a CEO, as yeah, I said to you first, much the same, right? it has nothing to do with me. It has yeah. everything to do with, with the, the people that I'm surrounded by and their success. And if they succeed, I succeed. Yeah. It, it's no different. Shorter haircuts and uniforms. <laughs> Yes, that's true. Um, yeah, but I think you're right. I mean, a lot of the same things that you needed to do or learned, we need in the workplace today, we do. right? And, and you see it. I mean, there are employees who will jump at every chance to take an opportunity to grow or, or will do it on their own, right? Because they really just want to grow and continue to, to lead. Uh, and then their employees are just happy to be where they are, and, and that's okay too, right? We need, we need both in the workplace, but... Um, well, I think what you're doing here gives them an opportunity to look at what's possible. Because no different than what you do in, in your program, someone will lead it, and someone will be the person behind the scenes counting it or fixing it or doing whatever. It'll really show who the leader is, and leaders typically identify themselves very quickly yeah. uh, in any organization. Um, and an organization needs some of every level of leadership. So just because I lead the whole company, I have leaders that are very capable of leading a part of the company, but not the whole company. And they're important as well. But the goal is to develop that leadership constantly and constantly remind ourselves that we are here to grow and to learn and evolve as a leader. And the leader I am today is not the leader I was 18 years ago when I started the company. I, I look at things way differently, way more pragmatically. I, I really, I, I, I understand what motivation means and, and how screaming and yelling your way through a problem doesn't solve right. anything at all. It, it's more about and, and my people are going to look at that and say, he screams and goes, I know I do, I know I do. But, but, but it doesn't solve every problem. Right. It really, it, you know, screaming and yelling gets out your emotion. And it lets you share how you feel about something. But then you get to the something. problem solving And then you've got to solve the right. problem. It, right. it never solves right. the problem. And, and, you know, sometimes you have to say no, but 
I appreciate what you tried. Yeah. You know, thanks for your efforts, but no, it's not going to work. And you know, probably five years from now, if we sat here again, you'd tell me you're a different leader five years from now because I, my guess is, much like myself, that you're going to continue to learn and grow as a leader. And the world changes, right? So when, when I was starting out, before I became a CEO, my bosses screamed and yelled. We didn't get to give input into the decision that was being made. Today, it's a different story. Today, our employees want to be part of the decision making. They want to bring you know, solutions to the table, and they can. Um, and so I think we capitalize more on the talents and the skills that our teams have today because sure. they're included in that and they're empowered, right? Well, when, when you start a company like I did and you're a growing company, every day you're doing something you didn't do yesterday. Mm. So every time I hire, you know, if I go to, let's just say, 601 employees, uh, it's the first time I've been an employer of 601 people. When it goes to 602, it's the first time I did that. So it, it's important that as, as you develop an organization, I remember going to one of my, my head of, my first head of sales, Alex, he is my first employee, you know, I said to him, you know, we started to sell, we started to generate revenue early on in the company, and I said, you know, I can't wait till we can do, you know, $100,000 of sales a week. And he said, wow, that's a, that's a lot in a week. And I said, well, you know, I think we can do that. And then I said to him, you know, I can't wait till the day we can do a million dollars in a month. And he said, whoa, a million in a month? Oh my goodness, he's like, he's like, slow down you know we're, we're, we're trying and then you know as we started hitting a million a day and then two million a day and so on you know it it's if i was the same leader we'd it, fail right exactly it's just it's it's different I, I i do something completely different today than i did in the days that that we did a hundred thousand in a month you know i'm doing over two million a day right. and that's a lot of processing and that's a lot of information, that's a lot of management. And if I didn't evolve with the company, then the company never would have grown. That's, that's all there is. To yeah, it. so I think, yes, evolution, right? Absolutely. Um, of, our, of our own leadership as well as uh, developing others uh, as leaders. Uh, and then the last thing I wanna to touch on before we forget because, uh, or before we end, because I know that it is something that is very important to you, both in your personal life and family life, as well as in your business, which is philanthropy. Sure. Uh, you and your family and the company are um, very generous and involved. I think that's, that's key, right? A lot of people can write a check, but you all are very involved, being the chair of, an, of a college, of a university board, obviously, you're giving up a lot of your time. And I know with some of the other charities, how did you, you know, how important is that to your company? Do you think that that's part of the culture that you've built, that, that piece of giving back? You know, if, if I learned anything um, early on, uh, my partner, the G and GA, GA is George and Abdul. George Batchelor um, was the greatest philanthropist I ever knew. Mm. He, you know, he had this reputation for being a tough and shrewd businessman, and he was. But he had this, this soft spot in his heart for, for children. And you know, he said to me once, you, know, you have to help those that can't help themselves. And, and, and I really thought about it, and I thought, you know, he's right. You know, and, and look, walking down the street and somebody asking for money, giving them, that's great. Anyone right. can do that. But making an impact, and I saw the impact that George made on the community that, 
that he lived in and worked in. And, and I thought to myself, if, if I'm ever in that position, I'm, I'm going to, to not let him down. I'm going to, to learn from him and to take his vision to, to a new level. So soon after we started the company, I, I decided, okay, we're, we're doing okay, we're stable. We have a little extra time, we have a little extra money, why don't we see what we can do? And I, and I found a, an organization in our local community that, that helped uh, without, children without families. And I thought, what better cause? And uh, I went over there and I met the people and I loved the, the organization and I said, you know what, this, this is exactly what George would have wanted me to do. He, he had passed away by that point. And, and I just got involved and I loved it. And, and you know, look, I, going back to the military, that was a requirement. Mm. It was a requirement. You had to go out in order to, 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 to be promoted, you had to show that you did something in the community or, or for your fellow soldiers. And so, so it being a requirement and it being natural, something that you want to do are totally different things. Yeah. But I realized, I think, early on that I liked doing it. But you don't feel the calling until you feel the calling. And when I felt the calling, I really decided that my wife and I, we were going to make a difference. Not just you know, giving a couple bucks and, and hoping someone does something, but we want to see the fruits of our labor. We're going to give money. We're going to give time. We want to see results. So when we created our personal financial statement as it relates to philanthropy, it was we were going to help those especially children that couldn't help themselves in a manner where we could measure the results. Yeah. Because giving it to a national charity, of course they need it, they do great things. But I look in my own community, organizations like Kids in Distress, right. I can see what impact they make directly. And I can see that you know, when they call me and they say they need, we need something, what do you need? We need money because an air conditioning unit went out see exactly what the goal is. The goal is to get an air conditioning unit to these kids so that they can live comfortably. comfortably. Right. And they're already in a difficult spot, right? So, so for me, I could see it, I could feel it. Um, scholarships, kids that, that just want to better themselves in the ed education, right? right? And they, all they need is the financial resources to be able to do it and not come out with a ton of debt. So it's easy. And it's natural. And, and then you look at other things that, that you might be doing locally that have a greater benefit. Uh, breast cancer support, right? Our company, the whole month of October, we spent a ton of time raising money for breast cancer awareness. That's helping our community. We're working with the local chapter, but it's having a global impact, right? So we, we look at everything and how do we help people that can't help themselves? We're very fortunate in this country with what we have available to us as it relates to healthcare. It might right. be expensive, I'm not in that argument, but it's available. Right. In a lot of countries, a lot of parts of the world, a lot of societies, that's not available. So what we do here will have a global impact. And no woman should have breast cancer. And if we can do something locally that will help that go away, then that's what we're gonna do. Yeah. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, and I think um, as, as I get older, my legacy, right, is, has become much more important to me. 
Um, you know, in my case, again, it's also always been around children and families, and so, and I have a son with special needs who I think you've met at one of the yeah, football did, games, actually. Um, and so, you know, when I look back on my life, not just from money, but from a legislative policy, bringing down dollars, even if they're not my own, you know, and, and making change and creating opportunities for those children was always very important to me. So I think when we look back, you know, at the end of the day, it's nice to know that we left that legacy. So Absolutely. I think that's important. It, it defines you. Yeah. In the end, when, when people look back. Yeah, because they're not going to think about all the awards you got and everything else. They're going to look at what you, what you left, the mark that you left on this world. Exactly. Right? So, exactly and right. you've left an amazing mark. So I'm going to read some of your ingredients, which I know, and we didn't even talk about the, the, the typical ones that I know go without saying, like hard work and dedication, right? And I think those goes, go without even mentioning I, I got to say, I don't feel like I work. Because <laughs> you if, love what you do? I love what I do. And right. if you love what you do, you know, you wake up and you go to a place. I, I, I won't. Yep. You know, my wife's going to watch this at one point, but <laughs> I feel like it's a playground. You know, I, I go and I have a good time. Actually, my wife works for the company as well. So, yes, so, I've so we, you know, for us, this, this isn't work. Right. This is just so it, find your passion, right? It is. So Absolutely I just added right. that to your ingredients. So we're going to read these back okay. for our audience, and so um, and I know there's so much more, but these are just some of the ones you mentioned. Your product is your people, right? Yes. If we take care of our people, our companies will thrive, and our customers will do well. Providing solutions, whether it's to your employees, to your customers, to your clients, all of that, to the the end user, uh, customer focus, making sure that you're always meeting the needs and the service that your customers need. Uh, Over-communicating, that's interesting. You always hear communication as one of the ingredients, but I think you're right. We can never, especially in this world today, with social media and technology, we can never over-communicate. And I gotta and tell person. you, even as much as we over-communicate, we're still asked to communicate more. More, yes. So, so even and we think we're overdoing eye to it. Eye, always better, as you always mentioned, better. and I agree with you. Um, being able to adjust, right? Um, and, and taking detours as things happen uh, in that roadmap. But you gotta have that roadmap to begin. Uh, innovation and meeting new challenges, whether it's customer challenge, industry challenge, global challenge. Uh, giving up, um, not an option. I love that. Um, and finding opportunities out of the challenges uh, we talked about. Uh, focusing on sustainability, which then helps you to get through those tougher times that you've experienced. Uh, diversification. Uh, I think probably the way that you talked about that, a little bit about uh, funding, clients, employees from every perspective, diversification, not just having all your eggs in one basket. Yes. Right? Um, never being late is one of your mantras and one of your things. Servant leadership, and I've been reading a lot about this lately because you know, sometimes I always say, am I, am I making sure that my focus is on our employees and our children and the people we serve uh, and so forth? So I think servant leadership is a good way um, and then developing leaders under you because you travel, so we need to make sure that they are leading while you're out there traveling around. Um, and then our own evolution as leaders, right? Right. Cons cons consistently be, uh, and continuously growing and learning as leaders. Uh, giving back and then, of course, finding your passion and loving your job. Um, that is quite a recipe. For success, and I know that we could continue and fill up probably two or three more of those. Um, but unfortunately, we're going to come to an end for this show. 
but I definitely do want to get you back. And I, I love I'd that love you to. said you want to come out and, and work with the kids in the entrepreneurship love program. To do that. Speak to them, be a shark in our spark tank. We'd love to have you. You are the consummate example and model, role model for them. Um, and so, so many of these kids will never have the opportunities, as you said. And so thank you for being here. You're welcome. Uh, thank you for all of you uh, for watching today. This has truly been a pleasure for me to sit with Abdul and to reconnect. And uh, don't forget that we will post this uh, to our, all of our podcast channels and YouTube probably by tomorrow. And then we will post it and send it out an email on uh, Monday. Because this weekend, on Saturday, it's JA on Court time. And we are sold out. And uh, we're ready to party on Saturday night, uh, all for the benefit of Junior Achievement. So thanks so much for joining us. Have an amazing rest of the week. And let's get cooking. Thank you.